Hello, fellow health and safety professionals. We are coming to you live from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, home of the Fonz, Laverne and Shirley, and of course, beer. How could it get any better than that? This is Ted Speaks Live. Our podcast will focus on keeping people safe, families together, and growing your career in short eight to 10 minute weekly segments. Your host is Ted Carew, the positive safety coach. Ted has over 25 years of health and safety experience in both manufacturing and construction. He started his career in the field and worked his way up to safety director. Ted also coaches football and knows how important it is to communicate expectations and work together both at work and at play. With this as Ted's background, he is excited to share some of his experiences with you and to improve your career and your company. Steve Trickle has over 30 years of construction, maintenance, and turnaround industrial service experience in power, petrochemical, and other energy-related industries as a safety professional. Steve is always seeking to make safety personal as he values caring for people and finding ways to reach their hearts and minds for safety both at work and away from work. He is a member of the HASC Board of Directors, currently serving as vice chairperson. He is currently the Vice President of Safety at Comfort Systems USA. Comfort Systems USA is a national heating, ventilation, and cooling company that offers you a single company to provide complete HVAC service anywhere, anytime. While Comfort Systems USA is young, our companies average nearly 30 years of experience each. Our vast portfolio includes HVAC work for virtually every type of building you encounter, from your neighborhood grocery or school to your favorite museums, libraries, retailers, and restaurants. Please welcome my friend Steve Trickle to our podcast. Hey, Steve, how are you doing today? I'm great, Ted. How about you? I'm doing very good. Excited to have you on our podcast. You're one person that I've always admired in safety. When we were on the RT 284 team together, and you were the leader of that, the leading indicators for the CII. I just learned so much from you and being the leader. So I'm very excited to have you on the show today. And thank you for taking the time. Yeah, it was really my pleasure to be a part of that team. It was a really good group of safety professionals gathered together in a common cause. And I think we did some really good research over two years. I agree. I think a lot of that stuff is being utilized on projects today. So what is the primary area of accident prevention you feel requires intentional focus? What do we really need to focus on when we have those incidents, accidents? Yeah, and it, for me, it's uh, identification of potential serious incident and fatality events. What many are calling SIS is the common term in our industry these days. Really to make sure that they get the proper or appropriate attention and focus that they deserve. We pretty good with the actual ones. Once we define what a SIF is, that we really fall short on the potential one. What has been your experience in identifying and managing those SIF incidents, both actual and potential? So it really comes down to making sure you have a mechanism in place in which you have a robust reporting. And then once you have the robust reporting, it's making sure that you have a way of identifying potential serious incident fatality events in a hierarchy of perhaps low, medium, and high severity and consequence. So you have to play the what if for each incident occurs. And then that allows you the opportunity to define exactly how you approach it from an accident investigation 
corrective actions, lessons learned, and communicating that to make sure it doesn't happen again across your organization. Yeah, and that's always seems to be kind of the tough one, right, is being able to communicate that throughout an organization of, of the seriousness of an incident and learning from it. Absolutely. I think we do a great job across leaders and management. I think we do a poorer job with trying to get to the key people that are actually turning the wrench and doing the work. And I think that concept is true in other industries. Sometimes management, maybe not even knowing, makes these decisions and such, but communicating it to the people that are actually involved in the day-to-day. I find that isn't always done in a lot of companies or industries, not just this field. So that's a tricky one that people have to keep in mind. Absolutely. Where do you see companies that miss opportunities to adequately impact with the SIF incidents? Yeah, I think it's because they don't have a robust new misreporting program. I think we do a really good job around reportable type incidents, even the doctor's first aid. But when it comes to near misses, I think we missed the boat on trying to utilize those opportunities. I think most of us remember a couple of years back when a tape measure was dropped a couple hundred feet. I yep. think it was in the city of New York. Yeah, it and was. actually impacted somebody and killed them. Who would have ever thought tape measure falling? How many times did a tape measure or something like it fall from 200 feet and nothing was done because it missed the target? Hmm. Very true. I mean, we got to take the luck out of it, right? And sometimes that's what happens on these near misses is people say, oh, you got lucky. Hey, let's uh, try to learn from it. But then it ends. And what could actually be a problem within the whole organization. Very true. When you talk about kind of actual versus potential, is that similar to what I think of proactive versus reactive, like that type of mindset? If you're proactive and you can do that, that's always the best. And reactive, sometimes you just have to react to something. But is that kind of a similar focus there? Yeah, that's a very good definition. I think a lot of times, I'll use industrial hygiene as a perfect example, because in our industry, we do a really good job around the acute type incidents that happen that get people hurt. We do such a good job around the industrial hygiene part because we don't see the consequences of exposures until many years later often. So we're not as mindful about what is going on and as proactive with regards to that. So it's the same way with near misses. Just because, as Kev alluded to, we got lucky doesn't mean we shouldn't take the opportunity to be very proactive and to ensure that luck doesn't play a part in somebody getting hurt or not getting hurt. Yeah, I can see that. If something doesn't result in an issue, it is easy to ignore, but that's definitely the wrong approach. So that's a good point. Is there a tool or a process that you've utilized to address the SIF incidents? Yeah, and I think it's important to have, and it's the safety information management system. I was fortunate enough around a decade ago to actually implement a safety information management system to be a part of it in a large construction organization about 25,000 employees. And it made all the difference in the world. If somebody would have told me back then that a safety information management system would have a large impact on safety performance, I probably would have doubted it. I don't doubt today because it's all for myself. The system is needed so that you can input, we actually embedded a matrix, a severity consequence matrix inside the system so that anytime an incident was reported, 
that actually went through the what if, especially with the scenario if there was not an actual injury, such as we report through a new NIST. And that always allowed us the opportunity to weight the severity and consequence and then give it the proper focus that needed, like an, you know, root cause incident investigation. Good. And how do you utilize the safety information management system to adjust those SIFs specifically? Yes, it's important that one, you have the matrix in place, or if you don't have it embedded in your system, that you're actually going through that scenario with each one of the near misses reported. And then it's very important for you to have a defined process in which you're going to address how you classify them. So previously I said low, medium, and high. That's one way to classify it. If, if you look at the book that was written by Fred Manuel, Advanced Safety Management, had to do with ANSI V10. Yep. Fred actually puts a lot of severity, consequence matrix examples in that book. And quite frankly, the safety information management system I had at my previous company, that's where I actually got the matrix phone to embed in the system. Mm -hmm. But once you have defined those low, medium, and high, how you will attack them and put the focus on them, then you need to follow through. So you have to have a mechanism in which you're ensuring that the corrective actions are closed out and the lessons learned are being communicated. Yes, I mean, I think those are awesome points. And the real thing is, like we talked about earlier, I think really is we got to make sure that we're getting that information out throughout the organization because so easily we look at it and, and it just stays within certain area or a management and it doesn't get out there. And we got to get it to the people that are working out there. And it sounds like this program that you have developed does that. Well, it helps. I think the better use that we have of technology and we see advances all the time in it. And we know our employees have phones, iPads, all that. We need to utilize that technology to communicate as best we can. And I think it's an opportunity we often miss. I agree. That's one good thing about technology. People can say there's goods and bads to it, but a lot of people have a lot of information right at their fingertips. To utilize that in a positive way just makes sense. Certainly. Steve, what has been your experience in how you've managed potential serious incident and fatality, statistically speaking? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I mentioned about 10 years ago, I implemented a safety information management system, a very large organization that really had grown the previous years up to that point and had not been prepared for the uptick in work hours, because I think it really went beyond our span of control from a leadership standpoint. And we were seeing a lot of what I would call stiff actual incidents, several fatalities over a three-year period. And once we implemented the safety information management system, over the next decade, working as many as 50 million work hours in a single year, there was one fatality is way too many. However, when you have several over a three-year period and then over the next decade, you're utilizing a tool that allows you to reduce that to one. That's a significant gain. We also saw during that time our GART, our days away restricted transfer rate, actually be reduced from a 0.43 to a 0.10 over about a six, seven-year time frame. So that was a significant gain we saw. And you know what? We talk about these numbers, but it relates to people. So what we're talking about is less people are getting hit, hurt, 
in a serious nature. And they're able to go home to their families. You know, that's why that DART rate, as you were referring to, is so important to understand because that DART rate, to me, really tells the severity of an injury. And keeping that low just shows that your system that you're talking about works. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said before, I had my gout, and I was proven that, um, you know, a system can really help you improve because it gives you real-time data. And if you use it properly, you can set up scorecards and dashboards to ensure that you're hitting certain marks that you're setting for yourself each year to improve because ultimately what we'd like to see is no one get hurt. Yep, I would agree. For someone who's wanting to start this SIF, Incident Prevention Program, how would you suggest that they go about it to begin it within the corporation? Yeah, so this is the kind of phased approach I would take. I think it's important for an organization to find what they consider serious incident fatality. Obviously, fatality is self-defined, but serious incident is not. I'm actually now participating on a University of Colorado research team that is about setting out to define what a serious incident is. And I can tell you, we have colleagues from different industries and stuff who really vary in what we would define as a serious incident. For me, I try to look at it from the approach of somebody who's actually been hurt. And so for me, it's like you said, that I define a serious incident as a dart incident and a fatality. That's where it starts for me. But I think it's important for an organization to define where it is for them. Then I would ensure you have a robust near-miss program. It's important that for a near-miss program to work, that people feel that they're in an open culture, reporting environment, that there's no repercussions for reporting. It's very difficult. It's easy for me to say to create that environment. It's very difficult to do so. And I think you do it through recognizing people who do report, especially when they're reporting on themselves. That's what's so difficult about creating the right kind of near-miss program. And then once you have a near-miss program defined, I think it's important that when you have these potentials that you define them as well as low, medium, and high, or use some kind of ranking, zero to five, however you'd like to do it. Because then it's going to allow you to actually target how you would further investigate each based on that. Yeah, and it's always kind of tough on that too because when near miss, what a lot of people want to do, they don't want to report it because they're afraid they're going to get in trouble. So there's that line there, obviously, right? And just the word near miss. I know in the past that we've used words like good catch or something, make it more a little bit more positive. But we have to make sure that our employees are reporting it and that they aren't afraid of doing that. Is that kind of the process too, Steve? Yeah, we get a lot of pushback when you're trying to start a near miss program that, hey, this isn't going to work here. People don't trust what we're doing with it. Plus, you never know what an employee's experience has been in previous companies or within their life. So that they may be apprehensive to it. And then we'll have to look at the different cultures that we have working, too. Those have an impact on how we put a numerous program in place. Yeah, very good. And I agree with you. Thank you for your time today. Is there any way that people that may have questions about this could get a hold of you? Oh, sure. So... They can certainly contact me through LinkedIn. I've noticed I've had a lot more requests for contacts over the last week, so certainly they can hit me up my LinkedIn page. My email is steve.trickle, T-R-I-C-K-E-L, at comfortsystemsusa.com. And I'm good about responding. Good, yes. I know that personally because you're always very good within uh, 24 hours. 
Hey, Steve, I want to thank you for being on the show today and sharing your story and really sharing with our audience on how we can make our career and our organizations and families better. As you know, this is the fun time of the show for me. Me being the positive safety coach, it's time to have a little fun with you. How are you feeling today? Are you ready for them? Some jokes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, for some jokes. (laughs) All right. You're going to do the first one, Tad? Sure. A safety manager was researching the safety of an elevator. What did he find? And this is very true in pretty much all safety programs, I think, or processes. A safety manager was researching the safety of the elevator. What did he find, Steve? What did he find? You got me, Ted. They have their ups and downs. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> See, that was a good one. Oh, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> it's also the safest place to be inside an elevator sometimes. Yes. So to err in safety is human, but to blame it on someone else shows what? Lack of courage. Management potential. <laughs> <laughs> I got a chuckle when I read this. All right. Where did ghosts go for a swim? This is our last one, Steve. Ah, goodness. <laughs> I don't have a clue. The Dead Sea, of course. (laughs) Steve, thanks for being a great sport and bringing some great knowledge to our safety professionals that are listening. Definitely. And we enjoyed having you on the show and thanks for your time. Thank you all very much. It was an honor. Thanks for listening to Ted Speaks Live with Ted Carew, the positive safety coach. We would love to hear from you. You can reach out through email at ted.carew.com at healthandsafetynow.com if you'd like to know more about our podcast or if you're interested in being a guest. Feel free to check us out at healthandsafetynow.com. Rate and review on your favorite podcast app. Join us next week for our next episode. Have a super safe week.